0: Welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on this lovely Friday afternoon. We just had an intriguing conversation with Monsignor Brian Bransfield about angels, our guardians in spiritual battle, and our, our companions in the spiritual life. Well, we're going to take a descent to the depths of the netherworld in this section. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that hell is a state of definitive self-exclusion. We talk more about what this means with Dr. Regis Martin. Dr. Regis Martin is a professor of theology and faculty associate with the Veritas Center for Ethics and Public Life at Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ohio. He podcasts at In Search of the Still Point, and his latest book, Looking for Lazarus, A Preview of the Resurrection, was released in 2021. Dr. Martin, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fine, thanks. so nice uh, to be here.
0: Well, we're glad to have you on. So uh, you wrote a really jarring piece on National Catholic Register that warranted conversation, especially since it's so timely for today's day and age. So uh, the, for those of you interested, the the name of the article is Hell is Being Alone Absolutely and Forever, found on National Catholic Register. So uh, tell us about what prompted your thought process to writing this, and then tell us a little bit about some of the insights you, you wrote about.
1: Well, I, I have to agree with you, uh, the prospect of Going to hell is uh, rather jarring. It's a, a real showstopper, <laughs> and it's a possibility. of it, It's it's something that uh, is available to us at any time, given uh, God's gift of freedom. Mm-hmm. It's a terrifying compliment, uh, as uh, C. S. Lewis puts it, which God has paid to every creature. He takes us seriously. I mean, that means, uh, uh, simply put, that we can burn. Every bridge uh, to beatitude, if if we wish, we can spit in God's eye. That's a that's a pretty sobering uh, a prospect. That you can undo the will of the Creator, who even took the trouble to redeem you and sent His Spirit to sanctify you. You can nullify all of that by choosing instead to go straight to hell, and you don't even have to travel first class.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if if you are on your way to hell you you're taking the proverbial ACDC highway to hell and it's about as uh right. last class as it gets at that point right? <laughs>
1: right yeah it's it's not it's not all that appealing so is and it, that's that's uh, the shocking thing that i mean despite uh, the joy that heaven uh, affords uh, and that god intensely desires our company with him in paradise uh, we are yet free to go elsewhere and there are some who Persist uh, uh, perversely, it would appear, uh, in taking themselves straight down into hell.
0: Right. So you quoted earlier from Chapter 8 of uh, C.S. Lewis's The Problem of Pain, and it's one of my favorite books, and I remember one of the quotes on page 81, it's, it's in Chapter 8, about how the souls in hell, he he says, I consider the souls in hell successful rebels because they've gotten what they want, and so that I believe the door to hell is locked from the inside. Right.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, I think. I mean, if there's a door, uh, then the key turns on the inside, and they refuse uh, uh, to come out, and of course God can't go in and fetch them, and he's not going to drag them kicking and screaming into paradise. Right. In the end, you get what you want, and if, if you want to be alone, then that's what God uh, suffers you uh, to have, and uh, you face an in, an eternity of uh, of infernal frustration, because you were made for for community, for God, uh, and yet you choose uh, uh, solitude, and that's what you get. I I once uh, heard a a very learned uh, and holy Jesuit—now, there's a a rare combination these (laughs) days— who said that what what hell finally consists of is the damned soul saying to God, I don't want to love, I don't want to be loved, I just want to be left alone. Uh, And God uh, honors that. He he permits that to happen, although it must be a source of eternal uh, grief to God that he has lost the game, as it were, at least for that particular soul. It's almost as if paradise is is this place waiting for us, and the table is not completely set uh, until we show up and sit down because there's been a designated uh, place uh, set aside for you or me or the other guy. So there's a kind of vacancy if we don't fill it. I mean, that's how important we are uh, to God. I, I think of, uh, of Chesterton's quip that, uh, uh, that uh, God takes an, in, an, an intense interest in his secondary characters, and that's us. Mm. We're not the star of the play. I mean, we really figure in, in only a tangential way. He's the protagonist, but he does take this everlasting interest uh, in even the minor characters, yeah you know, he wants them all to fill the stage uh, to enter the banquet room
0: right And, you know, it's funny, even as you're talking, you're reminding me of more C.S. Lewis quotes. And I think I I see in you a a fellow fan of of Lewis's manner of expression. And uh, you would remember this. It's in The Great Divorce. I believe it's in uh, page 62. It's in chapter 9 where George MacDonald says, at the end of it all, uh, it will simply be the soul who looks at God and says, thy will be done, or God who looks at the soul and says, thy will be done.
1: Right, the very same sentence. But everything turns on who's... Speaking it,
0: right. right? That
1: that's exactly how it ends, uh, and and the refusal when you say when you don't say thy will be done to God, but rather he says, okay, thy will be done. It's an obdurate refusal. I mean, a refusal that is uh, frozen uh, in in indifference or hatred or rejection. It's not lighthearted. It's not frivolous. You really mean it. You stake everything upon that rejection. And and I think uh, at the beginning, uh, when when we first began chatting, uh, you quoted or paraphrased the text from uh, the Catechism. I think it's number 1033, Mm -hmm. that hell represents the definitive exercise in self-exclusion, self-exile, self-alienation. You do it to yourself, and you do it on purpose. It's not a game. There is a real ultimacy about the choices we make. You know, this immense eschatological pressure uh, bears upon us at every turn uh, in the wood, the dark wood, and we're free uh, to leave uh, the dark wood and go straight uh, into the world of light. But we also have the option of digging deeper uh, into that, that darkness, that, that black hole of, uh, of, uh, of hell. Right.
0: Talking to Dr. Regis Martin, Professor of Theology and Faculty Associate with the Veritas Center for Ethics and Public Life at Franciscan University of Steubenville. So, Dr. Martin, you go on to talk about how, as you've just mentioned, you know, hell is the result of a will that has completely turned away from the charity of God. It completely turned away from anything but itself. So the souls in hell have some kind of odd, perverse satisfaction, if you will, for being there.
1: Yeah, it's a kind of snit that goes on forever. I mean, you get, you know, sometimes a child will become sulky and sullen and refuse to go to the party, mm-hmm. even though uh, the party's organized around their pleasure, but they won't, they won't share in it. And so they, they sulk in their bedroom. They're not happy, but there is a kind of almost uh, demonic a, a delight uh, in, in thwarting the will or design of your parent, mm. uh, who arranged it for you, and you're free to just spit in his eye and say, "No, I'm not interested. I'm going to go to my room."
0: Mm.
1: And that's the hell of it. You know that by staying in your room, locking yourself in self enclosure, self estrangement, you're not going to be happy. This is not. This is not going to be. Uh, 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 this is not going to be a happy hair day for you.
0: Right. Right, and and so going off of exactly that, in a realm where we're seeing this this o- overt pressure to conform to this kind of moralistic therapeutic deism, you know, I, I I want a God in heaven who lets not not a God a father, but but God the grandfather in heaven who enables me to do right. whatever I want without consequence. Yeah. I, in, in a world like this, God our father, our loving father, actually allows us to experience the consequences of our actions.
1: Right. Yeah. Yet yeah, Lewis, I, I think, caricatures uh, that that notion. Uh, he he speaks of a kind of senile benevolence, mm-hmm. sort of like an old and rich uncle who throws money at his nephew because he can't bear to be with him. It it, it uh, bespeaks a kind of indifference, and and that that really is, I I think, the design of hell. They don't, the the souls in hell don't give it to him. Uh, they they shut off God completely, and now they they must endure the consequences of that great refusal. I, I, I love how uh, Holman Hunt puts it in that famous painting mm-hmm. uh, from the uh, 19th century. There's Jesus uh, standing outside uh, the door, rapping gently, hoping someone will open it. And of course, he can't force the door, because the handle is on the inside. mm mm-hmm. Uh, he can only wait, and he waits with with great uh, patience. But it's not going to be infinite. Right. You have you've got to decide. Yeah,
0: you know it's it's amazing. I I've I've done talks where I draw up Holman Hunt's painting as well, and I all, I often tell the uh, the listeners during that talk that if I were God, believe me, you would know it was me on the other side because I'd blow that door <laughs> down.
1: Right, that's exactly right. It's probably a good thing that you're not God. <laughs> right, right. That, that's really the first principle of the spiritual life. There's a God, but happily it's not you or me.
0: <laughs> I know, and, and, and praise the Lord that he's so gentle and forgiving and, and, and yeah. you know, boundless in his mercy for us for as long as we're on earth, and he honors the reality of our free will. So you go on to critique Jean-Paul Sartre, and and him and the whole host of modern philosophers who've given yeah. us a lot of the mess that we're in today in this concept of hell as as this as this kind of societal suffering as opposed to right. eternal right. metaphysical suffering uh, uh, detachment from God. So talk about that a little right. bit.
1: Well, it's it's from his play No Exit in which he pronounces hell to be other people, uh, and he couldn't be more mistaken uh, because to be is always to be in relation to other people. Uh, and if you refuse that relation, that relazio and and want to disconnect definitively from others, then you are tearing at the very heart and fabric of what it means to be human uh, it, it it i mean that's why it doesn't bring you any pleasure it certainly doesn't fulfill uh, others if mm-hmm. if if you rob them of your company. But uh, you're doing greater damage to yourself uh, than you are to anyone else, or even to God. He'll survive. He'll get over it. (laughs) But uh, he has made you for himself. And you won't be complete until you find uh, rest in him.
0: Right. And it's amazing, you know, so you're you're quoting book one, chapter one of the confessions. Uh, We are made like unto you, Lord, and our hearts are restless until we rest in thee. Because very truly speaking, in book one, he goes on to say that, God, you were more present to me than my innermost self. In a very real sense, God is still loving and holding those souls in hell, in being, and they hate him for it. Yeah, that's, in fact, that's, yeah, that's
1: a, that might be the final twist of the knife. When, when you get into a fight with someone, uh, the, the last thing you want them to do is stay with you. Uh, you, you. You spurn them. You want them to turn away, but they won't. They, they stare with, with eyes of love and compassion, and you avert their, their gaze. I mean, that, that to me is the ultimate of a suffering. Mm. You know that this is the gaze that brings light and life. And yet, uh, I disdain it.
0: Right, <laughs> and, and and what a twisted, perverse uh, act of the will to commit. So, you know, a- end with an exhortation for us. Uh, we want to find ourselves on that. Pardon me for using these very old uh, analogies: stairway to heaven, not highway to hell. So, uh, how do we how do we continue moving up that stairway? Well, I I think. You know, T.S.
1: Eliot has a great line, the only wisdom we can hope to acquire is the wisdom of humility. Humility is endless. And I've, I've often uh, pondered that. Why should it be endless? And it seems to me it's endless because it goes on forever. Uh, you, you can never say to your confessor, okay, I've mastered, mastered humility. Uh, is there anything else I need to do? And he's going to tell you, maybe you need to go back uh, uh, to uh, bedrock and practice humility. And also it's endless because you pursue it for its own sake. Right. The relation we have to God is defined by humility because we are not...
0: Thank you, Dr. Martin. Is- We're out of time now, but thank you. I'm Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon.